Ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you're ready to go, we're going to go with the Word of God here today. And uh, we are starting. You could turn in your Bibles to, I don't know, how's, uh, how's Matthew chapter 15 sound? And we'll get there in just a second. Um, here's the quick question. Have you ever been lost? Now, I am not geographically challenged like other members of my family. Um, but look, have you ever been really, really lost? And I'm not talking about... Um, Westfield car park lost, trying to find your car, because at least you know it's in one of the car parks. Maybe it's, you're at Stockland at, uh, at Foster, right there on Breeze Parade. And w- what you end up doing is just getting the, getting the remote, you know what I mean? You're doing the remote bingo, trying to find out which car, beep, 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 we're trying to find out where yours is. Um, have you ever been lost? And I'm not like talking about um, heading to Tamworth via the Pacific Highway lost. Um, I'm not talking about lost like um, one of those young ladies at Good Life Church and you're hoping for that man and you, you know that his eyes were so deep and blue that you got lost in his eyes. Um, and I'm not talking about the kind of lost like you're a Parramatta supporter kind of lost because that's really terrible. That's probably one of the worst ones. We lost our son Sam at age six. We didn't know he was lost. We woke up and I was taking Joel for my morning kind of prayer walk and Joel was awake because he was a baby. So I rugged him up into the pram and, and I was walking along and, uh, and in that time, everyone else was asleep. Beck and, uh, Beck and Sam and Josh were all asleep. I was just giving them a bit of a rest. I come back from that prayer walk and Beck meets me at the door and she says, do you have Sam? And I'm like, why would I never have Sam? No, I'm not going to have Sam. Like that's not going to be, I'm not going to get my time of prayer. Um, doing that and she goes we've lost Sam and I said are you kidding me and we looked around the house yelling for Sam and I don't know it's, it was morning it was a Saturday morning but we're looking for Sam we couldn't find Sam no matter where we went I went out to the shed I have to go to the shed any place that my wife deems that there could be spiders I have to go. Um, I looked under the house. We looked everywhere. We looked in the laundry. I opened up the fridge. We checked every kitchen cabinet. We went everywhere and we were looking through the whole house. And the further we got, the louder and the more panicked the calling out of his name became. And so I've, one of us has got Joel because he's very young. Josh is, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know if we just had him kind of watching something, but yeah, I mean, having, having a three-year-old help is probably not that much help at the time. Um, but we were horrified. Um, we, a um, number of years ago, while we were on the Sunshine Coast, um, outside of our church on a Sunday after a service, a young man got abducted by the name of Daniel Morecambe. And so all sorts of things are flooding through our brain. Um, it was one of the most horrific moments as a parent. And so uh, it's, it's remarkably gripping of the soul and you remember those moments forever. Um, Jesus was also lost. If you look in the Bible, when they get to age 12, they're heading to the church as was their custom. Today, you've made sure that no matter what the lockdown, you're being a part of the local church. And God bless you. That is a great and a wise thing to do as an individual and as a family to worship God together, to honour and value God and His house. And that's what Jesus' parents did. We're going to church as was their custom. At age 12, they went there and they all, after a couple of days, they went back. They're going back home. And they're all in the caravan of carts and horses and donkeys and everything. And they get a couple of days down the track and they go, where's Jesus? And Mary says to Joseph, where's Jesus? And Joseph's like, well, surely I thought you and no, we can't find him. They couldn't find him anywhere. It's like a Sam situation 
when we're trying to find him around the house, although they've had days of not knowing. And so Jesus is now lost. So they come back to the house of God and they find him in the house of God. Now, maybe that horrific moment when Jesus was lost is the reason why he talks a lot about lost things. So as we're covering red letters, we've got to actually really delve into this topic because Jesus talks about lost things and lost sheep and lost articles and lost people so, so much that he wants us to get something that's so, so important to his soul. Um, it's in Luke chapter 15, there's a story about three different stories about lost things. There's a lost sheep, there's a lost coin and there's lost sons. It's a whole chapter and he's trying to talk to people going, this is really important. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 24, it says that he was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, he said he came to seek and save the lost. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 9, he's not wishing that any should perish, but all would come to repentance and salvation. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. We get to testify of the truth to those that are saved and for those that are lost. Matthew chapter Chapter 28, verse 19, go into all the world and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them. Um, uh, Matthew chapter 4 says, follow me, Jesus says to a couple of guys who were to become his disciples and I will make you fishers of men. It's all about actually catching or connecting or witnessing to lost people. Um, uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, salvation is explained. This whole thought of lost people coming to Jesus, for it is by grace you've been saved, not by works. It is the gift of God. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, salvation is found in no one else. There's no other name by which we are saved. Jesus says, I've come for lost people. I have come. His whole purpose was to come and to see lost people come to salvation. It's such an important thing in the life of a Christian, but so easy for us to start focusing on our own Christian life for us. It's so easy to miss the key and central point of God's heart of why He came at all. Christians are called to be those that go to lost people. We're called to be witnesses. We're called to be fishers of men. Christians do this because they are Christian. It's actually a hallmark of Christians. Jesus said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And so if I'm not fishing, am I actually following? This is a great challenge. But it's because we are Christians, we do those Christian things. Because I have Jesus in my heart, then His heart connects with my heart. And I'm going to find people like Abby who goes, let's go out on the streets between 10.30pm and 3am. That's ridiculous, people. You know why you would do that? It's because lost people matter. We've got people who want to move to Ireland in the middle of a global pandemic. Why? Because lost people matter. Because we get God's heart and we want to do something about it. It grips our soul. Christians do this because they are Christian. Kind of like how cows moo because they are cows. I know. Mind blown. Jesus values the lost. He puts so much value on lost people. There are people that Jesus loves. There are people that, Jesus, that, that were loved by Jesus that the rest of the world would not. 
no other religious leader, no Pharisee, no man or woman of faith loved these people, but yet they all loved Jesus. The life of Jesus, his focus on lost people meant that people were intrigued, that people were saved, that people were connected with God. There was a complete turnaround in so many people's lives. Why? Because he wasn't the same as every other person of faith that had ever come. He showed a different way. And so why does people put value on the lost? I've got three points very quickly. Number one, Jesus puts value upon the lost because people matter. Yes, you matter and they matter. And if we understand that what Jesus has done for me is so remarkable, then we start to realise that, look, hey, that person matters and Jesus is not around anymore and maybe I could go and share that love of Jesus with someone truly we want, we desire at Good Life Churches that people would truly live the good life. It's the life where they receive Jesus. I am so, so glad that someone invited me to a Good Life Church. I'm so, so glad that someone took the risk. They took the risk of being rejected. And they took that risk and I'm so glad they did. I don't know how many other people I asked to come to church, but I'm so glad that they asked me. We sometimes want to wait up or we want to, we're want we hesitant to actually go and connect with someone, invite them to church or talk to them about Jesus or say, hey, you've got that situation. Can I pray for you? Sometimes because we're thinking they're going to be resistant. Sometimes because we're oblivious to the people that are right there in front of us every single day. The value that Jesus puts on us is therefore the value that we get to put on other people. Why does Jesus talk about lost people so much? It's because lost people matter. People matter. And if we could be the people that said, God, you know what? If I ever get selfish, if I ever take this for granted, I've received so much, Lord God. Let my heart be broken for what breaks yours. Let my heart be focused on what your heart is focused on. And that would be a brilliant life. Because it's not just that those people matter. It's in the journey of us focusing on others that our life expands, that we get bigger, that we get better, that we get to actually grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why does, value, why does Jesus put value upon lost people? Number one is because people matter. And the second thing is because it reveals the condition of our heart. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus talking to a mixed group of people and those religious people, that he wasn't, they weren't happy with him. They were on one side of the room and on the other side of the room, there were the sinners. He's got this very mixed up crowd and they would have never been in the same room apart from the fact that we're all intrigued by Jesus. The religious people were like, well, if you're gonna be one of us religious people, you've got to do it this way and I can't believe you're doing it that way. And because you're doing it that way, you're getting these miracles and that confounded them. There was a new way to go about it. You're mixing with those sinners. They were, they were not just intrigued, they were angered by it because surely you shouldn't be hanging with those people. But Jesus was trying to tell everyone the kingdom of God and how it works and what really matters. And he tells three stories in Luke chapter 15. These three stories are showing God's heart. The number one story is the parable of a lost sheep. And he says, is anyone amongst you has a hundred sheep? And there would have been a lot of people around that had sheep at that point. So they all at least connected with the story. And if you lose one, do you not leave the 99 to go after the one? And people would have been saying, no, you don't. Jesus is trying to show them there's a new way. 
not just because people matter, but because in this journey of how you deal with lost things reveals the condition of your heart. And he's saying, look, if you had one lost sheep, wouldn't you go after it? They're like, no. Jesus is saying every lost sheep matters. You go until you find them. You go until you find them. And sometimes people can be resistant. I got people in my world that don't know Jesus and I get to have the opportunity to shine the love of Jesus and go until they find Jesus and keep on being a friend until they find Jesus. The sheep is dirty. The next story you find from verse eight is the parable of a lost coin. And there's a woman who's got 10 coins. There's a whole lot that I can unpack in the meaning of those coins and how important it is. But suffice to say, she needs the whole 10. She can't go with nine. She's lost one of them and it's fallen in the dirt in her home. How do I know? Because she starts, she lights a lamp and she starts to sweep through her house and she cleans until she finds it. This coin is lost and it's fallen in the dirt. The sheep that was lost had been fallen in the dirt and was in danger. And then we get a story from verse 11. What you might read in your Bible, if you're reading analog, is you might read where it says the parable of the lost son. But can I say there was two lost sons that day? Jesus talks about a story about two sons and the younger one says to dad, you're dead to me. Can I have my stuff? Can I have my inheritance? And that day the father split his possessions amongst the two of them. And the young one goes away to a neighboring town and spoils all of his money, wastes all of his money on wine, women and song and gets to the end of himself, tries to get work. There's a global downturn and he gets stuck as a Jewish boy feeding pigs. There's not much worse thing that you could do. This is a parable to tell us a story that even people who say to their dad, even people who say to their heavenly dad, you're dead to me, they matter to Jesus. Even people who are stuck in the mud, even people who are doing the most dirty and depraved things, like for a Jewish boy feeding a pig, yeah, that's it. You can't get any worse than that. All of these people matter. All of these people matter. And I can show this in regards to how it works because the, the parable of the lost sheep was that you wouldn't go out, but yet you go to this person, this shepherd goes to so much inconvenience to find that one sheep. The woman who's lost the coin goes to so much inconvenience. They all get involved with the dirt that that coin or that sheep was involved with. But this situation in, uh, in the book of Luke in chapter 15, from verse uh, 20, it says, so we got up and he went to his father because he thinks it's better to back in dad's house. I'm just going to go back there and I'm going to, it's better just as a servant than where I'm at right now. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. This is an interesting situation because the kid has been involved with feeding pigs in the mud and the dad doesn't care. He gets involved in the dirt and the mess and it wasn't the dad's dirt and mess. The dad had actually been generous to this young punk and he'd actually betrayed his dad. But dad says, you matter to me. It reveals the condition of our heart when people, People are in a messy situation. And will I get involved or will I not? Why does Jesus put value upon the lost? Because they matter and it reveals the condition of my heart. Will I get involved with the mess? I might have if my kids came back from home, can they have a shower? We'll hug later on, mate. But dad just goes, I love you so much. He sees him far off and he has compassion and he runs to him. And if I could tell you what this means to have a Jewish father and all of the people in the crowd would have said, no, dad's doing that. 
That kid deserved everything he got. He was the one that made the decision. He was the one that wasted his possessions on wine, women and song. And dad runs to him. And as a Jewish father, you would never run at all. He would have had to do something quite undignified to run to his son. And he would have had to pick up, because they wore these long skirts, right? These long dresses. He would have had to pick up his dress from the bottom and run to his son, revealing his legs. Now, there's some people in Good Life Church that revealing your legs is a good idea. And there's some people it's not a good idea. There's some ladies and it's winter time. You probably need to shave or wax, however you need to do that. But uh, there's certain time, mate, there's some, I saw a friend the other day and he'd revealed his legs and they were so skinny and so white. I said, I know there's a reason why you normally wear jeans. But this dad, it's not about that. It's the simple fact that no dad would do in any situation. No esteemed gentleman would ever do it. But yet he does it. He lifts up his skirts and he reveals his legs, which would have been to him. And everyone would have been, <gasps> the dad did that. That would have been actually such a shocking thing. The son didn't deserve it, but the father became undignified in getting involved with the son's situation. He does it there and he also does it later on. The older son who refuses to come in for the party in verse 28. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf and because he is, has him back safe and sound. The older brother, verse 28, became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. The father shouldn't have, by the customs of the Jewish people, run to the son and lifted his skirts, but he certainly shouldn't have done it to the petulant son out in the field. Everyone would have been shocked. Jesus is trying to show us that people matter to him and it reveals the condition of our heart in the way that we relate with those that don't know Jesus. I've got to ask myself, if I ever get to that position, have I forgotten what God gave me? Have, 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 I, have I skipped by? Is it, is it so far in the memory banks that I've forgotten just how lost I was and, just, and what Jesus did for me? That Jesus sent someone to invite me to church. And if, if I don't want to get involved in the mess or if I don't want to be rejected, if I let my insecurities and my excuses raise up to the level where I don't actually get involved with lost people, am I taking something for granted? Have I forgotten the encounter point that I had with Jesus? Or, and this is something that I wonder, have we actually really encountered the love of Jesus so much so? Have I forgotten it? Or do I just, did I never connect? And at this point, with a lot of people in lockdown, your contact might be restricted, but it's not cut off. The phone still works. You can send a text message. You can send an email. You can be encouraging. The people in your world that don't know Jesus need you. Why does Jesus focus on them so much? Because they matter to him. And number two, in the journey of us connecting with those that don't know Jesus, it always reveals our heart condition. Am I taking it for granted and I've got these excuses? It's just too hard or I don't want to get rejected. I've heard people say, I don't want to risk the relationship I've got with that person by inviting them to church. The greatest risk would be that they don't go to eternity with Christ. 
But could you imagine if, not just what happens after this life, but could you imagine if they got to live the good life in this life? How much of a benefit would that be for them? How, the good life that God has got for them, that whole point would be, well, it's not too hard at that point. And if it means I've got to get undignified like the dad, then I'll do it because it's worth it because that person is worth it. That person has value. And it reveals the condition of my heart that I get to go, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stare down that rejection. I'm gonna stare down that insecurity. I'm gonna stare down that lack of confidence. And I will be just like that dad that day with those two boys. I'm gonna get undignified and it's actually okay. I'm not looking to look silly, but I'll do whatever it takes because that person matters. I'm so glad that someone did that for me. I never wanna lose that for another person. The interesting thing is that sometimes this journey of talking about lost people reveals the condition of our heart in another way. That day when we were searching for Sam, could you imagine while we were panicked, if Josh at age three or four comes along, says, Dad, I'm hungry. Mom, I need some food. You'd probably forgive a kid at three or four for being like that. But could you imagine the kind of are you not reading the situation? You, you, can, you can understand that from a three or four year old, but I think sometimes in churches, we, it's too easy to have that human thought of what do I want out of this church? What do I want out of this Sunday service? I, I love it when people say to me, oh, worship didn't do it for me today because then I get to reaffirm the fact that we weren't worshiping them, so it's okay. But sometimes when it comes to it, I'm looking for something out of church, forgetting the fact that we want this to be not just for me, but for all. I want this to be for everyone. And so we're going to package things. We're going to tackle things that are going to be for everyone. I'm not, I'm not looking for food when there's a lost person around. If I've got a lost brother, I'm not asking someone to stop and make me a sandwich. And if I did, if that's what I was thinking, it would reveal the condition of my heart at that point. And the good thing is that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And I would have to say, if that's me, I'm, God, I've, I've become lost. I need to find you again. Why does Jesus put so much value on the lost? One, because people matter. And two, because it reveals our heart condition. And number three, it would be because this is how we join with him. Jesus came, he could have stayed in heaven. It's the only religion where God actually comes to earth. Every other religion, you've got to attain to something. You've got to tick boxes and get through. And Jesus says, you can't do it. I'm going to come to you. And he gets involved. Jesus says, I'm going to come down and I'm going to say, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He says, I came to seek and save the lost. He says, I'll give you the Holy Spirit so that you would be my witnesses. You'll receive the power of the Holy Spirit so you could be my witnesses. The whole point would be that I receive His heart. And when I receive His heart, then I'm on the journey with Him for those lost people. If I disengage as a Christian of being a follower of Christ, therefore a fisher of men, if I disengage that the Holy Spirit is not here just to give me lovely goosebumps and a nice word from God, but to actually empower me to be a witness. If I miss out on those things, I miss out on the journey of today and the next day and the next day walking with Him. Jesus focuses on the lost so much because they matter, because it reveals the condition of His heart. And it means that we know that we can be on the journey with Him every single day. Divorce me from the call of God to help another human. 
Find a lost person and lead them to Jesus. Pray for my lost friends and family. Reach out. As soon as I disconnect from that, I've disconnected from the journey with God. And I'm thinking God is just on the journey for me. The journey with God is actually that I would be with Him seeking and saving lost people. I'm not the saviour, I'm the signpost. You're not the saviour, ladies and gentlemen, you're the signpost. Why is this something that Christians do? Like cows moo because they are cows, because Jesus wants to do today with you and tomorrow with you. We get to do this journey with Him. And when we reach out to those neighbours, friends, family, when we take the opportunity in lockdown to say, how do I do it? What's the creative way that I could go about it? How generous could I be to reach out to my neighbours? then I get to follow three simple steps of relationship, example, and invitation. Because Jesus says those people matter. Also, it reveals the condition of my heart. And God, here's my heart. Here's my everything. And number three, I want to do this day. I want to do today with you, Jesus. Show me the people you've got in front of me today that I can walk with you to be a follower of you, therefore a fisher of men. That day with Sam, it was pretty interesting because we were really panicked and we were just about to call the police. We got to the point, I said, yep, okay, Beck, we got to call the police. And in tears, in panicked, it turned to tears, it turned to desperation. And we were kneeling on the carpet in Sam's bedroom and he slept on the bottom bunk. But in the bottom bunk, under the bottom bunk, there was drawers. And as we were praying and crying and just about to call the police, one of the drawers on the carpet just in front of us pushed out. Like, what is going on in Sam's bedroom? And out comes Sam. In the middle of the night, Sam had somehow woken up pulled out the drawers as far as they could come, snuck in behind those drawers and pulled them in tight and fallen asleep. And so when we were running around the house screaming his name, he couldn't hear it because he's behind all those drawers which are filled with all of the, yeah, I mean, like the winter clothes that are coming later on or the, or the blankets or those sorts of different things. And so he comes out, hello, mummy. <laughs> and Beck is just distraught, absolutely distraught. And I'm there and I'm like, babe, let's chill, chill, chill. Hey, buddy, how you doing? I tell you what, it's a funny story now, but it's indelibly imprinted upon my brain because someone that matters so much to me, we thought was lost. All sorts of thoughts were running through our head as we were seeking him. But you're so, so glad when someone gets found. I'm so, so glad that when it came to faith, that someone at my school said, hey, do you want to come to my church? There'll be someone in your world that's so, so glad that you took the risk and said, hey, do you want to come to my church? Do you want to come to a barbecue? Do you want to come to my connect group? That you took the risk that when that person had a need, you said, hey, can I pray for you right now? Hey, you've got, that, you've got that condition in your body. Can I lay hands on you? The Bible says that the believers lay hands and they pray and they'll be made well. That you took the step of faith. There'll be someone someday that's so, so thankful that you were the one that took the risk and went for it. Why does Jesus focus on the lost? It's because people matter.
Why does Jesus focus on the lost? Because it reveals the condition of my heart and I can bring it to God. And why does he focus on the lost? It's because we get to join with him every single day if we will also focus on his focus. Come on, let me pray for you today. Come on, just when you're at home, just lift your hands, just palms up before God. And I want to pray that God does something supernatural in our hearts. I want to pray that God does something remarkable here. God today, pouring out of your spirit in every heart. God, we don't want to take a backward step in our passion that lost people would know you. There's people that matter to you. And so God, I pray, Lord God, that you would move our heart, that they would matter to us. God, there's people that desperately need, they're, they're in the dirt, like the sheep or like the coin or like both of those brothers in a dirty situation. Lord God, God, we're willing to get dirty. We're willing to get involved. We're willing to get undignified like that dad and lift the skirts. No one else would have expected that to happen, but God, you showed your heart. So God, I pray, Lord God, that you would reveal your heart to us and that we would be willing to be undignified as well. God, that today wouldn't just be another service at home, Lord God, but we would be touched by heaven itself. Lord God, stir in our heart today, those people, Lord God, that we could reach out to, that we could love, that we could be generous. Come on, good life, right where you're at, I'm believing that God is gonna show you today. There's someone in your world that needs love right now and you're thinking, man, there's restrictions, but it's actually the greatest opportunity and it's right now. It might be that you want to sign up to be a part of Red Frogs on a Friday and a Saturday night on the streets making things safe in Newcastle. It might be that you want to give financially to a church plant in Northern Ireland. It might be that you want to say, God, give me the opportunity to share the gospel. There might be someone that you normally work with or study with and God's called you to be the one that reaches out to them today just with some love, just with some affirmation, just with a text that says, hey, how you doing? I'm thinking of you and I'm praying for you. God, I pray today that you would spark something remarkable and supernatural in our hearts today, that we would never be the same. God, I pray faith stirring, Lord God, that no matter if we're, if it's revealing the condition of our heart, we might be insecure or rejected. We might be wondering, we might be fearful. Lord God, we might've been rejected previously. Lord God, I pray, Lord God, that You would stir in our heart a passion for those people to come to Jesus, that our hearts would be changed, Lord God. And on that journey, Lord God, that we would be able to bring change to others. In Jesus' Name, Amen.